Chapter Four of the Inimitable Jeeves. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Inimitable Jeeves by P. G. Wodehouse. Chapter Four Pearls Mean Tears. I remember. It must have been when I was at school, because I don't go in for that sort of thing very largely nowadays, reading a poem or something about something or other in which there was a line which went, if I've got it rightly, shades of the prison house begin to close upon the growing boy. Well, what I'm driving at is that during the next two weeks that's exactly how it was with me. I mean to say, I could hear the wedding bells chiming faintly in the distance, and getting louder and louder every day, and how the deuce to slide out of it was more than I could think. Jeeves, no doubt, could have dug up a dozen brainy schemes in a couple of minutes, but he was still aloof and chilly, and I couldn't bring myself to ask him point-blank. I mean, he could see easily enough that the young master was in a bad way, and if that wasn't enough to make him overlook the fact that I was still gleaming brightly about the waistband, well, what it amounted to was that the old feudal spirit was dead in the blighter's bosom, and there was nothing to be done about it. It really was rummy, the way the Hemingway family had taken to me. I wouldn't have said offhand that there was anything particularly fascinating about me. In fact, most people look on me as rather an ass. But there was no getting away from the fact that I went like a breeze with this girl and her brother. They didn't seem happy if they were away from me. I couldn't move a step, dash it, without one of them popping up from somewhere and freezing on. In fact, I'd got into the habit now of retiring to my room when I wanted to take it easy for a bit. I had managed to get a rather decent suite on the third floor, looking down onto the promenade. I had gone to earth in my suite one evening, and for the first time that day was feeling that life wasn't so bad after all. Right through the day, from lunchtime, I'd had the Hemingway girl on my hands, Aunt Agatha having shooed us off together immediately after the midday meal. The result was, as I looked down on the lighted promenade, and saw all the people popping happily about, on their way to dinner and the casino and what not, a kind of wistful feeling came over me. I couldn't help thinking how dashed happy I could have contrived to be in this place if only Aunt Agatha and the other blisters had been elsewhere. I heaved a sigh, and at that moment there was a knock at the door. "'Someone at the door, Jeeves,' I said. "'Yes, sir.' He opened the door, and in popped Aline Hemingway and her brother, the last person I had expected. I really had thought that I could be alone for a minute in my own room. "'Oh, hello,' I said. "'Oh, Mr. Wooster,' said the girl in a gasping sort of way. "'I don't know how to begin.' Then I noticed that she appeared considerably rattled, and, as for the brother, he looked like a sheep with a secret sorrow. This made me sit up a bit and take notice. I had supposed that this was just a social call, but apparently something had happened to give them a jolt, though I couldn't see why they should come to me about it. "'Is anything up?' I said. 
poor sydney it was my fault i ought never to have let him go there alone said the girl dashed agitated at this point the brother who after shedding a floppy overcoat and parking his hat on a chair had been standing by wrapped in the silence gave a little cough like a sheep caught in the mist on a mountain top the fact is mr worcester he said a sad a most deplorable thing has occurred this afternoon while you were so kindly escorting my sister i found the time hang a little heavy upon my hands and i was tempted to uh gamble at the casino i looked at the man in a kindlier spirit than i had been able to up to date this evidence that he had sporting blood in his veins made him seem more human i'm bound to say if only i'd known earlier that he went in for that sort of thing i felt that we might have had a better time together oh i said did you click he sighed heavily if you mean was i successful i must answer in the negative i rashly persisted in the view that the color red having appeared no fewer than seven times in succession must inevitably at no distant date give place to black i was in error i lost my little all mr worcester tough luck i said i left the casino proceeded the chappie and returned to the hotel there i encountered one of my parishioners a colonel musgrave who chanced to be holiday-making over here i um induced him to cash me a cheque for one hundred pounds on my little account in my london bank well that was all to the good what i said hoping to induce the poor fish to look on the bright side i mean bit of luck finding someone to slip it into first crack out of the box on the contrary mr worcester it did but make matters worse i burn with shame as i make the confession but i immediately went back to the casino and lost the entire sum this time under the mistaken supposition that the color black was as i believe the expression is due for a run i say i said you are having a night out and concluded the chappie the most lamentable feature of the whole affair is that i have no funds in the bank to meet the check when presented i'm free to confess that though i realized by this time that all this was leading up to a touch and that my ear was shortly going to be bitten in no uncertain manner my heart warmed to the poor prune indeed i gazed at him with no little interest and admiration never before had i encountered a curate so genuinely all to the mustard little as he might look like one of the lads of the village he certainly appeared to be the real tabasco and i wished he had shown me this side of his character before colonel musgrave he went on gulping somewhat is not a man who would be likely to overlook the matter he is a hard man he will expose me to my vicar my vicar is a hard man in short mr worcester if colonel musgrave presents that check i shall be ruined and he leaves for england to-night the girl who had been standing by biting her handkerchief and gurgling at intervals while her brother got the above off his chest now started in once more mr worcester she cried won't you won't you help us oh do say you will we must have the money to get back the check from colonel musgrave before nine o'clock he leaves on the nine twenty i was at my wit's end what to do when i remembered how kind you had always been 
Mr. Worcester, will you lend Sidney the money and take these as security? And before I knew what she was doing, she had dived into her bag, produced a case, and opened it. My pearls, she said, I don't know what they are worth. They were a present from my poor father. Now, alas, no more, chipped in the brother. But I know they must be worth ever so much more than the amount we want. Dashed embarrassing, made me feel like a pawnbroker, more than a touch of popping the watch about the whole business. No, I say really, I protested, there's no need of any security, you know, or any rot of that kind. Only too glad to let you have the money. I've got it on me, as a matter of fact. Rather luckily drew some this morning. And I fished it out and pushed it across. The brother shook his head. Mr. Worcester, he said, we appreciate your generosity, your beautiful heartening confidence in us, but we cannot permit this. What Sidney means, said the girl, is that you really don't know anything about us when you come to think of it. You mustn't risk lending all this money without any security at all to two people who, after all, are almost strangers. If I hadn't thought that you would be quite businesslike about this, I would never have dared to come to you. The idea of uh, pledging the pearls at the local Montepiete was, you will readily understand, repugnant to us, said the brother. If you will just give me a receipt as a matter of form... Oh, right-o! I wrote out the receipt and handed it over, feeling more or less of an ass. Here you are, I said. The girl took the piece of paper, shoved it in her bag, grabbed the money, and slipped it to Brother Sidney, and then, before I knew what was happening, she had darted at me, kissed me, and legged it from the room. I'm bound to say the thing rattled me. So dashed sudden and unexpected, I mean a girl like that, always been quiet and demure and what not, by no means the sort of female you'd have expected to go about the place kissing fellows. Through a sort of mist I could see that Jeeves had appeared from the background and was helping the brother on with his coat, and I remembered wondering idly how the dickens a man could bring himself to wear a coat like that, it being more like a sack than anything else. Then the brother came up to me and grasped my hand. I cannot thank you sufficiently, Mr. Worcester. Oh, not at all. You have saved my good name. Good name in man or woman, dear my lord, he said, massaging the fin with some fervor, is the immediate jewel of their souls. Who steals my purse steals trash. Twas mine, tis his, and has been slave to thousands. But he that filches from me my good name robs me of that which enriches not him and makes me poor indeed. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Good night, Mr. Worcester. Good night, old thing, I said. I blinked at Jeeves as the door shut. Rather a sad affair, Jeeves, I said. Yes, sir. Lucky I happen to have all that money handy. Well, er, uh, yes, sir. You speak as though you didn't think much of it. It is not my place to criticize your actions, sir, but I will venture to say that I think you behaved a little rashly. What? Lending that money? Yes, sir. These fashionable French watering places are notoriously infested by dishonest characters. This was a bit too thick. 
now look here jeeves i said i can stand a lot but when it comes to your casting asp whatever the word is on a bird in holy orders perhaps i am over suspicious sir but i have seen a great deal of these resorts when i was in the employment of lord frederick ranelagh shortly before i entered your service his lordship was very neatly swindled by a criminal known i believe by the sobriquet of soapy sid who scraped acquaintance with us in monte carlo with the assistance of a female accomplice i have never forgotten the circumstances i don't want to butt in on your reminiscences jeeves i said coldly but you're talking through your hat how can there have been anything fishy about this business they've left me the pearls haven't they very well then think before you speak you had better be tooling down to the desk now and having these things shoved in the hotel safe i picked up the case and opened it oh great scott the bally thing was empty oh my lord i said staring don't tell me there's been dirty work at the crossroads after all precisely sir it was in exactly the same manner that lord frederick was swindled on the occasion to which i have alluded while his female accomplice was gratefully embracing his lordship soapy sid substituted a duplicate case for the one containing the pearls and went off with the jewels the money and the receipt on the strength of the receipt he subsequently demanded from his lordship the return of the pearls and his lordship not being able to produce them was obliged to pay a heavy sum in compensation it is a simple but effective ruse i felt as if the bottom had dropped out of things with a jerk so be sid sid sidney brother sidney why by jove jeeves do you think that parson was soapy sid yes sir but it seems so extraordinary why his collar buttoned at the back i mean he would have deceived a bishop do you really think he was soapy sid yes sir i recognized him directly he came into the room i stared at the blighter you recognized him yes sir then dash it all i said deeply moved i think you might have told me i thought it would save disturbance and unpleasantness if i merely abstracted the case from the man's pocket as i assisted him with his coat sir here it is he laid another case on the table beside the dud one and by jove you couldn't tell them apart i opened it and there were the good old pearls as merry and bright as damn it smiling up at me i gazed feebly at the man i was feeling a bit overwrought jeeves i said you're an absolute genius yes sir relief was surging over me in great chunks by now thanks to jeeves i was not going to be called on to cough up several thousand quid it looks to me as though you had saved the old home i mean even a chappie endowed with the immortal rind of dear old sid is hardly likely to have the nerve to come back and retrieve these little chaps i should imagine not sir well then oh i say you don't think they are just paste or anything like that no sir these are genuine pearls and extremely valuable well then dash it i'm on velvet absolutely reclining on the good old plush 
I may be down a hundred quid, but I'm up a jolly good string of pearls. Am I right or wrong?' "'Hardly that, sir. I think that you will have to restore the pearls.' "'What? To Sid? Not while I have my physique?' "'No, sir. To their rightful owner.' "'But who is their rightful owner?' "'Mrs. Gregson, sir.' "'What? How do you know?' It was all over the hotel an hour ago that Mrs. Gregson's pearls had been abstracted. I was speaking to Mrs. Gregson's maid shortly before you came in, and she informed me that the manager of the hotel is now in Mrs. Gregson's suite. And having a devil of a time, what? So I should be disposed to imagine, sir. The situation was beginning to unfold before me. I'll go and give them back to her, eh? "'It'll put me one up, what?' "'Precisely, sir. "'And, if I may make the suggestion, "'I think it might be judicious "'to stress the fact that they were stolen by—' "'Great Scott! "'By the dashed girl she was hounding me on to marry by Jove!' "'Exactly, sir.' "'Jeeves,' I said, "'this is going to be the biggest score "'off my jolly old relative "'that has ever occurred in the world's history.' "'It is not unlikely, sir.' "'Keep her quiet for a bit. What? Make her stop snootering me for a while.' "'It should have that effect, sir.' "'Golly!' I said, bounding for the door. Long before I reached Aunt Agatha's lair, I could tell that the hunt was up. Diverse chappies in hotel uniform, and not a few chambermaids of sorts, were hanging about in the corridor, and through the panels I could hear a mixed assortment of voices, with Aunt Agatha's topping the lot. I knocked, but no one took any notice, so I trickled in. Among those present I noticed a chambermaid in hysterics. Aunt Agatha, with her hair bristling, and the whiskered cove who looked like a bandit, the hotel manager fellow. "'Oh, hello,' I said. "'Hello, hello, hello!' Aunt Agatha shooed me away, no welcoming smile for Bertram. "'Don't bother me now, Bertie,' she snapped, looking at me as if I were more or less the last straw. "'Something up?' "'Yes, yes, yes. I've lost my pearls.' "'Pearls? Pearls? Pearls?' I said. "'No, really?' Dashed annoying. "'Where did you see them last?' "'What does it matter where I saw them last? They have been stolen!' Here Wilfred the Whisker King, who seemed to have been taking a rest between rounds, stepped into the ring again, and began to talk rapidly in French. Cut to the quick, he seemed. The chambermaid whooped in the corner. "'Sure you've looked everywhere?' I said. "'Of course I've looked everywhere!' "'Well, you know, I've often lost a collar stud and—' "'Do try not to be so maddening, Bertie. "'I have enough to bear without your imbecilities. "'Oh, be quiet, be quiet!' she shouted, "'in the sort of voice used by sergeant majors "'and those who call the cattle home across the sands of D. "'And such was the magnetism of her forceful personality "'that Wilfred subsided as if he had run into a wall. "'The chambermaid continued to go strong.' "'I say,' I said, "'I think there's something the matter with this girl. "'Isn't she crying or something? "'You may not have spotted it, "'but I'm rather quick at noticing things. "'She stole my pearls. "'I'm convinced of it.' 
This started the whisker specialist off again, and in about a couple of minutes Aunt Agatha had reached the frozen grand dame stage and was putting the last of the bandits through it in the voice she usually reserves for snubbing waiters in restaurants. "'I tell you, my good man, for the hundredth time!' "'I say,' I said, "'don't want to interrupt you and all that sort of thing, "'but these aren't the little chaps by any chance, are they?' "'I pulled the pearls out of my pocket and held them up. "'These look like pearls, what?' "'I don't know when I've had a more juicy moment. "'It was one of those occasions about which I shall prattle to my grandchildren, "'if I ever have any, "'which at the moment of going to press "'seems more or less of a hundred to one shot.' Aunt Agatha simply deflated before my eyes. It reminded me of when I once saw some chappies letting the gas out of a balloon. "'Where? Where? Where?' she gurgled. "'I got them from your friend, Miss Hemingway.' Even now she didn't get it. "'From Miss Hemingway, Miss Hemingway. But, but how did they come into her possession?' how i said because she jolly well stole them pinched them swiped them because that's how she makes her living dash it palling up to unsuspicious people in hotels and sneaking their jewelry i don't know what her alias is but her bally brother the chap whose collar buttons at the back is known in criminal circles as soapy sid she blinked "'Miss Hemingway, a thief! I—I—' I... She stopped and looked feebly at me. "'But how did you manage to recover the pearls, Bertie, dear?' "'Never mind,' I said crisply. "'I have my methods.' I dug out my entire stock of manly courage, breathed a short prayer, and let her have it right in the thorax. "'I must say, Aunt Agatha, dash it all,' I said severely. "'I think you have been infernally careless. "'There's a printed notice in every bedroom in this place "'saying that there's a safe in the manager's office "'where jewellery and valuables ought to be placed, "'and you absolutely disregarded it. "'And what's the result? "'The first thief who came along simply walked into your room "'and pinched your pearls.' and instead of admitting that it was all your fault you started biting this poor man here in the gizzard you have been very very unjust to this poor man yes yes moaned the poor man and this unfortunate girl what about her where does she get off you've accused her of stealing the things on absolutely no evidence I think she would be jolly well advised to bring an action for, for whatever it is, and soak you for substantial damages. May we, may we, c'est trop fort, shouted the bandit chief, backing me up like a good un. And the chambermaid looked up inquiringly, as if the sun was breaking through the clouds. I shall recompense her, said Aunt Agatha feebly. "'If you take my tip, you jolly well will, and that Eftsoon's all right speedily. "'She's got a cast-iron case, and if I were her, I wouldn't take a penny under twenty quid. "'But what gives me the pip most is the way you've unjustly abused this poor man here "'and tried to give his hotel a bad name.' "'Yes, by damn, it's too bad,' cried the whiskered marvel. 
"'You careless old woman, you give my hotel bad names, would you or wasn't it? "'Tomorrow you leave my hotel by great Scotland.' "'And more to the same effect, all good ripe stuff.' and presently having said his say he withdrew taking the chambermaid with him the latter with a crisp tenor clutched in a vice-like grip i suppose she and the bandit split it outside a french hotel manager wouldn't be likely to let real money wander away from him without counting himself in on the division i turned to aunt agatha whose demeanour was now rather like that of one who picking daisies on the railway has just caught the down express in the small of the back i don't want to rub it in aunt agatha i said coldly but i should just like to point out before i go that the girl who stole your pearls is the girl you've been hounding me on to marry ever since i got here good heavens do you realize that if you had brought the thing off i should probably have had children who would have sneaked my watch while i was dandling them on my knee i'm not a complaining sort of chap as a rule but i must say that another time i do think you might be more careful how you go about egging me on to marry females i gave her one look turned on my heel and left the room Ten o'clock, a clear night, and all's well, Jeeves,' I said, breezing back into the good old suite. "'I am gratified to hear it, sir.' "'If twenty quid would be of any use to you, Jeeves.' "'I am much obliged, sir.' There was a pause, and then, well, it was a wrench, but I did it. I unstripped the cummerbund and handed it over. "'Do you wish me to press this, sir?' I gave the thing one last longing look. It had been very dear to me. No, I said, take it away. Give it to the deserving poor. I shall never wear it again. Thank you very much, sir, said Jeeves. End of chapter 4